Hello, everybody, and welcome again to Wednesday Night Live. This is Ron Crawford, back from wherever it is that I've been, in the great cosmic measure of the city of Dallas. <laughs> uh, I want to thank um, Monica Terrell for speaking the last two weeks, and um, I, I bless her for that. Um, I really hated to miss being able to reach out not only to our congregation here in Dallas, but to our very precious saints family around the world. And um, I thank you for your prayers for me. We are busily um, preparing ourselves for the seminar uh, that happens next week. In fact, next Wednesday, we will be live with, uh, with the If My People seminar for the Saints Network. And so uh, I continue to stand with you in prayer that God will do whatever it is that he has ordained to do during this time. I thank you for continuing to pray for me that I would keep gaining strength and uh, be, be ready to, to move forward in all the tasks that need to be done. This is truly reaching to touch the hem of the garment. Uh, I, I was reading that passage of scripture a number of times uh, in the past couple of weeks. And, um, you know, we've taught on that, the woman with the issue of blood. And we've spoken about how that she wanted to touch the hem of Jesus, which identified his purpose, his ministry, and his intercessory calling. And when she touched or haptoed that, dunamis, the, the functionality of the power of God, touched her, and it says that her blood, the bleeding, was stanched in the King James, in the King James. And that is from the, the root stow, which is part of the cross. So I think that's very interesting. You have the duality of Jesus' ministry. You have uh, dunamis. And then you have the application from the histeme, from the power of the cross. It, this was before the cross, of course, which really helps our cause in our teaching regarding the histeme. Because some people would say, oh, well, you know, that if you talk about the cross, all of that work has just been done. And there's nothing more that you need to do with it. Well, this was before the cross. This was before the cross. And the power of that stake of ownership, the power of that um, histeme, uh, the, those spiritual holdings, which is what the cross is, you know, the cross is constituted by two factors, the stow and the histeme. It's the stake of ownership for where God has called you to be, for all things spiritual, for all things in your terio. What a powerful thing. But I felt that is one of the of the most understated teachings that this woman who had a dysfunction in her body uh, it was a bleeding that for over a decade had just withered and emaciated her body her finances and her whole house um, that when she touched the identity of Jesus she said if I can but touch his his the hem of his garment when she touched that his purpose his mission his intercession, that immediately functionality, dunamis, flowed into her, <clears throat> and the problem that she was facing was touched by the stow, touched by the histeme. What a powerful thing is that. And I, I want to speak into all of your lives. You know, some of you are dealing with some very difficult situations. God is with you, but you're, you're overcoming and there's no crown without an overcoming. You know, we can just bind rebuke, toss out, cast away uh, every kind of obstacle, but if you don't overcome it, and some would say, well, that's overcoming. Well, you know, I can tell you this. I mean, I used to play baseball, and when we had a forfeit game, we won, but we didn't overcome anything. When we got out on the field and we had to play a team, and go through those nine innings. And when we emerged through that trial, we were overcomers. 
And so there are times where God just um, amazingly brings us victory. But sometimes you've got to press through that sila. And some of you are facing things right now that are, are ways that God is going to promote you and prepare you for what's coming. And I release the spirit of faith into you. And I speak over our calling, our partnership with Jesus. I speak over our intercessory ministry, our identity before the Father. And I proclaim the dunamis power of the Lord to those of you who have not only touched or hapto or ignited with fire that, but you have made that hem yours. You're not just touching it for a momentary blessing. You have adopted it. And we're to be like Christ. We're to be joint heirs. Well, what kind of robe do you think we're wearing? It has to be the same if you're a joint heir. And so I speak into your life that the dunamis power of God would move through you now and that the power of the cross, the power of that histemi, the power of that stake of ownership, that style, would absolutely remedy and infuse with vitality that very thing that you have been faced with. Oh, I know. Sometimes it feels like, dear God, how long? And of course, all the ramifications of that, the various influences that try to speak into your life. I don't think any of us have been struggling for the, the number of years that this dear lady did, but the, but the efficacy and the result is still the same. So I speak health and life into you. I speak provision into you. I speak the peace of God into you. We, uh, we were talking before broadcast. Monica made me aware of a very dear woman in West Virginia who just got a, a startling prognosis from the medical people. It just almost, uh, I, 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 I just feel so sorry for her to have heard that. We speak right now into that covenant place in West Virginia, and we speak over Linda's life, and we command health and, and healing to flow into her. We rebuke the devourer, and we speak your goodness and your grace in Jesus' name. Well, dear one, I didn't intend to begin the broadcast this way, but I do know that God stirred my heart to say it. So. Again, thank you for praying for me. Thank you for holding fast to the hem of our garment as saints, which is our Lord's. And thank you for being faithful in the places the Lord has called you to stand. I, I, we look forward to what God is doing this week and in the days leading up to this international gathering, one like nothing that we've known ever in all the multitudes of seminars we've hosted in Dallas or in other places across this nation or in many, many places around the world. We've never done anything like this. And I know God is in it. And so we would ask you to pray that there will be no technical issues, no problems, that the spirit of the Lord and that spirit of wisdom, that Bezalel type of the thing would just flow perfectly. And that we would accomplish what our Father has ask us to do so be ready be in prayer and we'll look forward to that next wednesday but for today i was studying last week and um, the lord brought me to a topic which i was not expecting i mean this was so far out of the of the realm of possibility in my thinking that it kind of shocked me when he started to talk about it. And our message today is found in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, and it's entitled, The Weaker Vessel. And I think that when we finish this, you're going to have a totally different perspective of what this verse means than the, than the candy-coated thing that has been taught for, for, for generations. Um, let's read it. Likewise, you husbands, dwell with wives according to knowledge, 
giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers prosuke be not hindered now you've heard this verse before and you've heard the common explanation of what a weaker vessel is i heard it all my life i taught it in this outrageously inaccurate way and, the, and the, the way it usually goes is that weaker vessel really means some kind of an ornate beautiful artisan type of a work kind of like a vase or some kind of a uh, of a um, um, you know a, a, a piece of jewelry and you know it really it really creates this this symbol that women are just not really much help they're kind of there but you, you have to keep making allowance for them that you know they are um, they are not as strong as men and uh, we guys just kind of have to take up the slack isn't that what you've heard that's so I would say it's chauvinistic of course the big thing now is misogynistic but the point whatever you call it it's inaccurate it is just inaccurate and for every pneumatica saint if you look at what that word weaker two words weaker vessel is first of all weaker is our old pal asthenia asthenis which is a word that in the New Testament is used to describe someone who has a spirit of infirmity. It's a point of, of misfunction. We talked about how in the medical community uh, as, uh, there's a special disease uh, that is, is uses this word, uh, myasthenia gravis, which means that your body is there there's no reason why it shouldn't function, but it's not functioning. Parts of your body aren't working. And we've talked about how that, through the study of the scripture, this isn't me sitting under a tree digging up a, a, golden, um, a golden tablet. This is from studying the holy scriptures, the word of God, seeing how this word is used, seeing what it means. And when somebody has a spirit of infirmity, that means that they they have a, a form but no function and if if you're dealing with the apostle paul used that word we've done this teaching before and i i commend you to to uh look at the the, the archives you read the book we wrote about the spirit of infirmity but the apostle paul said <clears throat> when i am weak he's made strong he uses that word so the apostle paul was this he said that I've, I've, uh, I have chosen to glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Same word. Um, and vessel there is not some intricate little um, Russian egg. You know, it. <clears throat> this word is used in Scripture to describe a mast of a ship or a sail. It's used to describe any number of um, tools and even weapons. So this is not some little intricate thing. And I've read commentaries. I've studied this over the years. Again, I said I, I would preach this. And most pastors have preached this. You've heard this. And I've looked and I've, I've tried to see how in the world did they come up with that. And I have to believe that somebody somewhere preached this crazy view and it just became a part of the common idea and they would look at asthenes and they would say well that means that there's really not any function and so then they probably said well what kind of things around the house don't have any function uh, and you really can't use them they're just there to look at and so you can see the trail that it went down but when you consider the 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 comparison of scripture you see that this word and and in the context it is 
really speaks of, of something far greater. Uh, let, let's look at just a couple of other verses where this, this derivative of asthenia, asthenus, is used. In Matthew 26, verse 41, Matthew 26, 41, Jesus said to his disciples in Gethsemane, watch, gregario, and pray, prosuke, that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is asthenus, weak. So Jesus is calling all flesh prone to this. And he's also speaking to his disciples, the 11 that were there, that they in their flesh were encountering this. So it's not just a woman thing. There weren't any women in that garden. Jesus was saying this is a spiritual principle. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 25 through 29. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God, asthenes of God, is stronger than men. That stronger there is iskris. So, it, first of all, it's saying that it talks about foolishness and wisdom, and um, and really we're fools for Christ's sake. What we're doing right now is foolishness in the eyes of the world. What we're going to do next week is doubly foolish. And there are some who should know better that say, well, you need to be out on the streets protesting and doing this and doing that. You need to do more than just pray. Uh -uh. But the weakness of God, this is characterizing not God as being weak, but that God uses this asthenus in order to overcome the Iscarus. And we've studied those five power words in the New Testament, and we know that this one indicates continental power. So here again, we're seeing this. Let's let's keep reading. Verse 26 of 1 Corinthians 1. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise and hath chosen the weak. There's our word again. Things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. Paul doubles down and repeats it, which is a common Hebraic teaching tool base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen yea and things which are not to bring to naught the things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence so here we see that the asthenes is chosen by God to overcome continental power it's hardly some little trifling piece of pottery on a shelf that you shine a light on Look at 1 Corinthians 12, verses 22 through 24. Nay, nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble, asthenes, are necessary. Those members of the body which seem to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and the uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need but God has tempered the body together having given more abundant honor to the part which lacked. Listen, I can tell you about that in my own body. You know, there's, there's a, the issue that I've faced is something that, you know, it's, it's, you want to talk about less honorable, it's, it's this. And it, it has charted the whole course of, of what, I've had to do physically over these past weeks. So I know about how that God has put things in our life which he intends to triumph in that are called asthenists. So why would Peter, why would he say that the wife is the weaker vessel? Well, let's look at this. First of all, I want to remind you that all of us, every Christian, is 
to be the bride of Christ. So we all, in this format, our husband, Jesus, looks at us in this way. Whether you're male or female, Jew or Gentile, we are this. And so, in the first place, when we're partnering with Jesus, we become those who are called to overcome in this uh, overcome infirmity. And infirmity is not sickness necessarily. It's translated as that at many points. But infirmity, asthenes, asthenea, is something we encounter according to the scripture in places, in people, certainly in physical bodies, in the spirit realm. All of these things on, on international spiritual warfare, it's everywhere. So it's more a principle of intercessory partnership. Now, I do believe that this is why, as we partner with Jesus, that we are really embracing the points of Asthenea that God wants to restore. That's the whole identity of a saint to seek after the holiness of God and to restore those things that he has ordained from the foundation of the world. Those things that have form without function right now that God created to be dynamic. So this term in conjunction with us being the bride of Christ and then in conjunction also with what the New Jerusalem and what we're partnering with Jesus to welcome on the earth his kingdom coming, his will being done through the power of the cross and through our relationship with the Father. This is our this is our description. Now, Peter, though, is talking about using these words under the anointing of the Spirit. He's talking about a household. And he's he he uh, he welcomes the comparison of Sarah and Abram. When you look at Sarah and Abraham, do you think that Sarah was a little mamby-pamby, a Miss Nancy? Or that woman, she got after that man. She was calling the shots in a number of ways. I mean, she was, she was the one that um, uh, Isaac would be born through. I mean, she, 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 was, she was a powerhouse. And God dealt with her. He talks to her. He changed her name. So we're not talking about some lumberjack and a tiny little wife who makes good pancakes. We're, we're talking about the principle of God. And so that's in verse 6. But then he says, husbands, dwell with, and this is just in a, hear me now. Remember the Bible says that marriage and the household, marriage, Marriage and the household is a type of Christ and the body of Christ. Remember that. So Peter here, under the anointing of the Spirit, is describing how we relate to Jesus and how he moves through us and the tasks that we have. Husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge. But number one, gnosis. Giving honor. Timae onto the wife in this process of working together to overcome asthenes. And then we're going to come back and visit this. But then he proceeds to say, as being heirs together of the grace of this life, that your prosuke is not hindered. Now, here's one of the things that we've dealt with over the years. And for some people, they just can't understand it. I get it. I don't have a lot of tolerance for it. But if there's one thing you've got to do when you begin the walk of a saint, you've got to put pride out of the way, and you've got to walk in humility. You've got to embrace what God called you to be. And over the years, I've heard people where there's been, like if there's a, a, a man who's really strong in the spirit, and then the, the wife would would try to be what he is or try to 
manipulate a scenario where she could function in the same way God called him to function. And they would say, oh, it's because we're one flesh. Oh, it's because we're heirs in the grace of this life. Is that really what the scripture says? One flesh does not mean one spirit. It doesn't. And so we've got to recognize that we have to be what God has called us to be, whatever that is. <clears throat> and um, to be in this, con Peter was talking to a, he was speaking spiritual principles, but he was talking about individual homes and he clearly says that in that context, the husband and the wife in their household are heirs of the grace of life. They are in this world, and you have to bring all the other scriptures. They are one flesh. They have responsibilities in their household. And when, when the husband, as the leader, quote unquote, and I use that term loosely, because, hey, look, I'm a leader. I've seen all kinds of people who are just, just, they're, they're despots. Some of you don't know what that word means. They are, they are, uh, that's a good word. I can dumb it down. They rule with a rod of iron. I've seen pastors do that and their people just quake in fear around them. To serve on those kinds of staffs would have been hell. I, I don't. I don't lead that way, and I don't see Jesus leading that way. I don't see Moses leading that way. I don't see, you know, Moses was the meekest man on the face of the earth. Jesus was meek. He didn't make anybody do anything, but he led, and he had authority. And when you're walking in this walk of the saints, you got to be willing to embrace that. Otherwise, you're going to get cocky, and you're going to go off. So... Um, I, I don't I don't think that that it's good for anybody to feel that in the household the husband just does whatever he wants and the wife just needs to be quiet and do it. But there is a structure. You know, in my household, I have two daughters, they're grown. I I wasn't abusive with them, I wasn't mean spirited with them. Um I led and everybody knew I led. And that did not take anything away from what my wife was doing. She did her own thing. But when it came down to it, we all as a family would agree as touching things. But we knew that the bottom line was that God honors authority structure and that, that I needed to represent what God was saying. That's just the way things are in the spirit realm. And that's the way things are here. So you have to understand well according to knowledge and you have to also give honor or time we studied about honor and it's not just saying oh you're so great you're so wonderful telling telling people every day how beautiful you are how wonderful you are that gets old and then after a while you think they're just saying that they're just they're just pillowing the cushion around me here you know but but time means that you remember when we studied this from the Old Testament and the New that you actually not only do you embrace but the imprint of the mission is upon you and when people look at you they recognize number one that you are you are representing something by what you look like by what you do that imprint is upon you and you're not just trying it out you are you are in it for the long haul, which is why we get our English word time from this word. You know, sometimes they'll, when somebody has worked for 40 or 50 years, they'll have a retirement celebration and they will honor them. Well, what are they saying? Not just saying nice words. They're saying for 40 years, this man or this woman has embraced this calling. They have become this thing and they have not failed. That's what true honor is. So, Peter says, husbands have an understanding and you together with this one that's with you, let that woman be become what the mission before God is. And then together you go after these things that have form and not function. 
and you you use utilize one another in the household to become whatever is necessary that's a godly principle too remember when we studied about john the baptist when we talked about him decreasing you become what you need to be and in the natural realm when you're doing those things you're functioning as heirs and god's grace is populating this life and what you prosuke it's not the same as i tell but what god puts in in that grace what god puts in your heart and you declare and you proclaim it's not going to be hindered isn't that wonderful i think it is because it doesn't just describe what households should be but it describes what we should be in our measures of partnership with Jesus when we're walking with Jesus we need to know that we submit ourselves to him because it's our pathway is Jesus abusive is he a tyrant does he love you yes he does does he never leave us or forsake us of course he never does our Lord is the consummate lover and we are with him we under we're gaining the knowledge of the father gaining the knowledge of the word gaining the knowledge of what it is we're supposed to be doing we are becoming embedded not just embracing but embedded with the mission to where when like what Jesus said when you see me you see the father why would that be well it's because of this I pray that when God sees when people see me or people see any of you they see the father why because you're doing his works and you have become that vessel that is serving him you, you look like him there's no doubt as to what it is that you are and what you're doing and so when we when we recognize that life is going to be filled as saints and as partners with Christ life is going to be filled with overcoming the asthenias or the asthenas here and turning that into a victory turning that into functionality turning that into something that is astounding that's why Jesus as our covenant partner the one that to which we're betrothed that's why um, this picture that Peter speaks as a reflection of the body of Christ is really telling us what we're to be in God and to me it's exciting and and I as the Lord began to show me this last week I began to think um, about how precious it is to be linked with him to be one with him because he is giving us his knowledge he is telling us and teaching us through his word he is the living word the deep things of the kingdom of God our Lord Jesus is doing phenomenal things with his bride you and me and so if you want to consider yourself as some little pansy who just sits around and just calls out to go oh, Jesus help me shine your light on me so everybody can see how beautiful I am hit these facets over here with your light that nobody really sees make them sparkle so people to see how precious I am get over yourself get over that that is not what we're to be when we are the weaker vessel in this connotation in this context we are partnering with our Lord we are moving in his knowledge we are moving in the fact that we have that we have become imprinted with the mission of our father and we are embracing the calling of the saints the calling of restoration the calling of the dunamis power of God restoring things to what they're supposed to be and we become whatever vessel we need to be as according to God's mandate to accomplish that task so that we can say with Paul I have learned 
to rejoice and glory in this weakness so that the power of God might be manifest in me. It's not some wilting thing that you sit on a shelf that you can't use for anything. This is a depiction of who we are. Now, I would just say in the natural that you, if you're married, you need to begin to look at your household in this way. And maybe some of you have been facing issues in your home. Allow this template to become real between you and your your spouse for the things of this earth. First of all, recognizing that you're walking with Jesus. You're called to be saints. Uh, your life is not your own. But in that respect, as you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, God's going to add all the things you need. And if you're both walking in this way, God is not going to cause any hindrance to uh, restrict your prosuke. And you can see grace moving in your household and in your life. This is a powerhouse verse. And, you know, I think back over different things that you, this, you throw this into the bag of dumb, uh, 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 you throw this into the bag of trying to make women less of a person. Uh, other scriptures that are misinterpreted, like the one where Paul speaks about women being silent in the church. Oh my God, I remember one time we had a seminar and two guys from New Jersey came, they had a big church and they hated ministry among women. They did not let women minister. And they saw the various women that I had in place and in our network at that seminar and they rebuked me for it. And they quoted that verse. Well, what was Paul saying? We taught on this, that in those synagogues, according to the, the way the law was, the men sat on the main floor and the women were outside of it. And, and Paul then said, if the woman wants to know anything, let him ask at home. He was saying, don't have people shouting down. I can't even imagine what it would be like if we had all the men on the main floor of our sanctuary and the women up in the balcony with no speaker system and the women shouting down, what's he saying? That would be chaos. And we'd have to figure out a number way, another way to do it. And what about that other verse that it's a sh it's shame for women to not have their head covered? Well, it's speaking about this measure of being in alignment in the authority structure. And it goes on then to say it's a shame for men to have long hair. Now that was taken to an extreme. I, 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 we have to know that that was contextualized and in that society, there were things that the Spirit was speaking that really don't matter today. You know, men with longer hair, and I'm not talking Jesus long hair, you know, the picture that, that we see, uh, the paintings that we figure that he looked like. But if, if a man had really long hair in that society, that meant that he was up to no good. That meant that he was probably... Uh, a temple harlot or something of that nature. And that's why Paul said it was a shame. And, you know, he was talking to the women about staying under the covering. And, you know, there are other verses where it says, um, uh, you, you, you and the, the, the man and the wife need to be in agreement and they don't need to get out of sorts with one another in a number of ways so that, and it's because of the angels. Remember that verse? Well, the angels understand authority. They don't function outside of authority. They understand this concept, this principle, and if they see it out of whack, it's troubling. If you've ever, if you've ever seen in the spirit realm when something goes odd in the authority structure in the natural, I've seen this happen, and the expression. The, the, the way that the angels react is not, it's, it's not a pretty sight because they don't understand the lack of, of authority structure. They don't understand people getting out of line. I, I remember there were times, and I'm going off trail here, but I'm just trying to describe this thing.
I remember there were times when um, we would be in prayer and God would show us different measures that were happening in the spirit realm. And I remember once there was um, there were some some demonic beings that were really powerful beings. God had created them that way before they fell. And I remember the angels that were with us, the godly angels, would look at them with a with a with a with a gaze that I can't describe. And it wasn't anger. It was the fact that why is this happening? Why why I can't tolerate this? This is this is iniquity upon iniquity. And we've been in situations in the natural where something goes wheels off. I remember one time in my family, not my family here but my extended family, and we had a big gathering, and all of a sudden, the wheels went off. Something happened that just created all of the fail-safes, uh, and they all got overloaded, and suddenly my siblings and my parents just kind of went haywire. And I remember being with my wife and Kelly. Kelly was just little at that point. And I thought, I'm the little baby brother here, and I've seen this before, and I don't like it. <clears throat> and so I gathered Kelly, and I motioned to Debbie, and I said, take, take her out of here. And at that point then, I stood by my father, and I said, Dad, this can't be. We're here for a celebration. This cannot be. And I looked to all my siblings and I said, let's stop this now or we're going to miss an opportunity. I'm not glorifying myself, but what I'm saying is when things get out of line, it creates a scenario that is not is not wholesome. And so and we, we spoke about this yesterday in, in Saints Radio. In, in the spirit realm, everything is based upon relationship with God, what you're called to be and your ongoing commune with him and authority structure, everybody being what they're supposed to be. And so it's, it's wrong for us to take these verses, select them, yank them out of context, and uh, put together a textual, uh, not a textual sermon, but a topical sermon trying to put women in their place. And I would suggest that any man or woman who does this, you need to repent especially men, do you realize that if you put those ungodly and unscriptural restrictions on women, that you're putting them on yourself? Because in, in the, the economy of God, you are the bride of Christ. It doesn't mean you're effeminate. It means that you are serving in this role. And, you know, if you have a tyrannical type of a household where the man just says what's going to happen and everybody needs to just shut up and do it, your prayers are going to be hindered. You are going to, you're going to live so far below the principles of God and your whole household is not going to be moving in grace. So you need to repent of that and look at these scriptures. The key point to this whole passage is what the weaker vessel means. And if you can, with straight face, study the scripture, and I mean study it. I don't mean study your favorite commentary that doles out the bilge water of denigrating women. If you study this scripture and you see just the few that I reference about the flesh being weak and the weakness of God and the, the weak things of this world to confound those that are mighty, and, uh, you know, if you can look at those and you see that Paul says, I glory in this asthenia, that the power of God might be known in me. That's what this means. And when you put that into place and you combine it with structure, knowledge, time or, or honor and and the grace moving in grace. And, and there's our friend Prosuke, which always partners with the Asus in grace. You see a picture of what the body of Christ is to be with Jesus, and you see a picture of what um, your household should be in the natural. Now, I know that God showed me this for a reason, 
And, and I believe that we're about to enter into, we are entering into a season where we're going to be partnering with Jesus on a, on a wider and much deeper scale than we ever have. We need to understand this principle and we need to embrace it because this is how he moves with us. You want to know how you partner with Jesus as a joint heir? According to the structure God puts you in under him, knowledge, teammate, embracing the asthenis in order to bring the glory, partnering in grace, and prosukeing in accordance with that. That's how you partner with Jesus. I think that's phenomenal. And I also think that if households, if, uh, those especially with a husband and a wife in place, you need to just understand this. And you need to recognize that as you're partnering with God in the work of the saints, that if you have issues, if you have challenges, if you have uh, obstacles or needs, you need, uh, you, you need to go before the Lord and say, we have committed this house to serve the Lord. As Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Who is on the Lord's side? We'll say we are partnering with Jesus. We're both bride. We're both part of the bride of Christ. We're partnering according to his knowledge. We have caused this household to represent the Father and to be uh, to be impacted by his image. We are, we are willing to look at this scenario that we're facing and we're not intimidated by it because we know God is turning it for the good. It is an asthenis now, but it is going to be a function of dunamis and provision. And we're moving in grace. And whatever God shows us as we offer supplication, we're going to embrace that and declare it as a prosuke. And we're not going to be hindered. That's a key for every household that is populated by a man and a woman. Now, what about those of you who are not married? Uh, you, you have advantages in so many ways that others don't you are not a secondary system you are not a secondary system you you are with god christ is your husband christ is your partner and you need to go before him there in your home or your apartment and you need to say i am bound with you in the bonds of love father i'm moving in your knowledge i am embracing and being impacted and, and absolutely, I'm reflecting you. I want to partner with you to see the Asenaeus of this world turn to your glory. I'm moving in grace. I'm welcoming your life. And my words that your spirit inspires in prayer are power. You see, this is a wonderful principle. But it describes you and me. And it describes how we are in God. And so I, I pray that this, um, that this message has been inspiring to you. Uh, it's so funny the way God speaks. I was, I was laying in a hospital bed. I had my phone and my Bible program up, and I was praying in the Spirit. And all of a sudden, I held, heard the phrase, the weaker vessel. So I looked at it and I thought, why are you talking to me about this? Because of the old, I really hadn't purged that thought from my head of what it has been taught to represent. And then when I started looking at it, the spirit of God filled that room. And I thanked him for the privilege of being able to be one with him, to be his, his betrothed. And I began to see not only the wonderful blessing of that, but I could see how we as saints have been living this. How wonderful is that? So I speak this blessing over you. And I pray that God will continue to take us into deeper places of understanding and partnership with him. And I pray that that for whatever reason God has led us to, to study this today, that 
the treasures of it will continue to unfold. You know, I haven't been able to speak to you all from my position as pastor and apostolic voice for a long time. And had you said to me a couple months ago, you know, you're going to be out of pocket for a couple of weeks and uh, you're not going to be able to speak uh, to your people in a way that you've become used to. And if you'd ask me, what kind of message would you want to bring the first time you're preaching again? I can guarantee you that I would not have said, oh, I'm going to look at 1 Peter 3, 7, and we're going to talk about the weaker vessel. But I'm so thankful that this is what God brought us to, because it identifies us in our loving Lord, and it identifies the principle of partnering with him that then, that mystery that Paul said, that you know, he's speaking about the, 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 the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, and that marriage in this state is a picture of that. Well, here's the colorized version of the picture. So live this way before God and embody these principles in your house, whether you're married or not, because you're a joint heir with Christ. Heavenly Father, I thank you today for your goodness. I thank you that you are, you are just continuing to lead us in these paths of righteousness for your name's sake. And we're walking with you. I welcome the spirit of grace in this hour to continue to lead us deeper and further and higher in you. And, and I speak the blessing of God upon every saint, upon every household, upon every relationship, but most importantly, upon the relationship that will last for eternity, that we will walk with Christ and that we will walk with him in this way. I thank you for this, Father. Bless your people. And I thank you with my hands lifted for giving me the opportunity to be back and to speak your word. Thank you for that. And I bless Monica for going above and beyond to man the booth while I'm doing this remotely right now. I bless you and your children. I bless Les. I bless your family and ministry. And um, I speak all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you. Um, may God bless you, and um, we look forward to prayer primer tomorrow. Uh, soon you'll be seeing the, uh, the, the first Saturday prayer report. It'll be coming out in the next couple days, I guess, maybe. And read that. It's inspiring. But let's be in prayer as we come toward this seminar, one of the most, perhaps the most important seminar we have ever convened. Our nation needs this. Our world needs this. And God's going to use his saints. So till next time, God bless you. And goodbye.